0: We've been talking a lot about healing already, and so we're going to continue to do that. This current series, this is, uh, we spent three weeks talking about how that healing is in the atonement. And, and the title of this series is Freedom from Sickness, Disease, and Pain. God wants you free from that. If you have symptoms in your body today, that is not God's will. That's literally an attack of the enemy. And so he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has no power to do it because you've been redeemed from the curse of the law, which includes sickness, disease, and pain. So today I want to kind of transition a little bit. We're going to start talking about, we're going to go through a lot to just um, really talk about how to receive healing, how to receive healing. It's very simple, very easy, and uh, the more we get into this, the Holy Spirit will make this very simple for you so that you could lay hold of it. Because here's the reality. God has already provided healing for you. You don't have to go to him and talk him into healing you. He's already provided it. Anything that will attack your body on this earth, illegally, he's already made provision. Jesus already paid for it all so you don't have to bear it. He bore it all. So you don't have to bear it so now it's a matter of us learning how to receive through faith what he's already given us right so that's why the word ask in the new testament many times or i I shouldn't say many times in almost every case when you see the word ask it's the greek word aito and it literally means to call for to require and to make a demand for see asking in english means If I ask somebody for something, they could say yes or they could say no. But we're not asking, we're not going to God and say, hey, Father, can you please heal me? No, no, because the Father would go, well, I, I, I already did, right? I already sent my son. It's not a matter, it's a matter of you calling for it. Father, I call for my healing. You know, I require my healing because my body has been attacked, right? My body, which belongs to you. I'm making a demand for my healing that you've already provided for me. And now healing, it always, if you think about it, faith works from the unseen to the seen. Healing, and I want you to kind of, we'll talk more about this, but just this is kind of coming up in my spirit right now. Healing, think of it this way, it always works from the inside to the outside. Okay? So right where you're sitting, when you believe that you receive healing what happens you will you will eventually feel in your physical body that you're healed but what really is happening is the healing power of God comes out of your spirit man and it goes to the root cause of that sickness and disease and it breaks it it's satanic right and then the body will amend we because we don't study the greek words in the ministry of jesus you know people were not just in every case we get this idea that the minute jesus prayed they just were completely whole immediately so many times the greek word for healing is iaomai it literally means to doctor or to cure it's a progressive healing and sometimes it'll specify that in individual cases they, they were healed as they went. But what you do is you believe you receive your healing, and then now it's done. You have it. You've already received it, and now the Bible says you'll have it. What do you mean by that? Well, the healing power of God will work. It will affect a cure in your body. It'll drive out sickness. How long? The Bible doesn't specify how long. We have examples of immediately as they went, I could tell you this it'll always probably be longer than your flesh wants right but but it won't it's not to be years and years and years and all this stuff right so so many times with christians they pray and then they don't see anything happen what what's going on is they're not in faith and then it's not happening for them and then they for some reason they think either why is god holding this from me or they'll start blaming themselves. Listen, if you're having trouble laying hold of something, go to the Lord and ask him, am I missing something? Right? You're not out of faith for that. Am I missing something? Because your word is true. But if he doesn't tell you specifically that you're missing something, then you just keep standing. Right? And especially when you're getting inundated with thoughts, I am not healed. This is not working out. That is the enemy who always lies confirming the fact that this is working, right? Because why would he even throw those thoughts if you were just missing it and you were never going to lay hold, right? So let's look at this today. We're going to start talking about how to receive your healing. Luke chapter 5, let's turn there. Verse 15. You know, the Bible says a lot about healing. Bible says even more about finances. As we preach on this, this will affect every one of us. Every one of us are gonna to have to learn how to walk, how to, how to receive our healing, but the goal is not just to be healed, the goal is to walk in divine health and divine life. To where now, when sickness and disease, if it ever tries to attach itself, the viruses die. The sickness and disease can't even attach itself. And you grow in that, okay? how do you grow by meditating in the word of god but god if you'll notice in the world right now there are two areas that are major that for us at the end of the church age we have to learn how to believe god to supernaturally prosper us financially and to supernaturally we need to learn how to walk in in the healing power of god how to lay hold of healing and then how to Um, appropriate that as we minister to the sick, to others, and also then how to walk in health. Okay? You should be thanking God every time you take medicine. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. And I'm not always going to be taking this. Right? You just just live this way. So Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, But so much the more there went a fame abroad of him, And great multitudes came together, look at what it says, to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and be healed. You have to hear before you're ever going to be healed, okay, because you receive all this through faith. Verse 17, look at Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Just jump one chapter later. It says this, And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Over and over again it says this, woman with the issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, well, what did she hear? That he's a healer. That power was going out from him. That when people touched him, they were made whole. She heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. It always talks about that. When they heard, the centurion had to hear about Jesus That in order to believe God for his servant to be healed. Right? The nobleman's son, This royal official walked 15 to 20 miles, or probably didn't walk, he probably, he was very wealthy, so he probably had a carriage or something that took him, but it was an overnight journey when his son was at the point of death, but he came to Jesus, and he's like, listen, if you'll just come to my house, she'll be healed, or he'll be healed, right? Not she, he. Um, and, And so you see this over and over, they had to hear. So this is a big part. If you're fighting symptoms in your body, this is now. This is not the time to study the genealogies <laughs> of the Bible, right? It's it's it, it, you. You need to focus on healing, okay? It's not you, you know. You don't need to study about the pre-Adamic race and you know even end-time prophecy. I mean, this is probably not. That's probably not to be your primary, of course, unless the Holy Spirit leads you, right? It says, And he came down with them, stood in the plain, in the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, they came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. So the healing ministry of Jesus, let's just kind of take an aerial view of this real quick. There were 19 in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which really is one Gospel written by four authors, but all breathed by God, right? If you break it down, there were 19 individual cases of healing, 19. So like the woman with the issue of blood, it's in three out of the four Gospels. So when you read all three accounts, you get the full picture. Because Dr. Luke will say things different. You know, he doesn't say about this person has leprosy, he's, he's a, he was a physical, he was a doctor, so he's like, this person has the final stages of leprosy. And, and you'll see different things, different things will be showcased. But out of these 19 individual cases, 11 of them, 11 of the 19 specifically identified that the person's faith was the determining factor in their healing. Eleven out of nineteen. Six out of the nineteen, you can see the person's faith. You could see the person's faith. You could see that it was the determining factor. It just didn't specifically said. Like woman with the issue of blood, it it just says it. Woman, your faith has made you whole. Right. But there's six out of the 11 where you could see the faith of the individual, but it just didn't say your faith made you whole. So that makes, now this is deep, so 11 plus 6 is 17 out of the 19 instances in the ministry of Jesus, the person's faith was either spoken or seen as being the determining factor in their healing. There were only two of the 19 instances where it was literally a gift of healing or a working of miracles. It was literally a gift of the Spirit where the person was healed and it had nothing to do with their faith, only two times. Right? Now, if you look at why 19 individual cases, if you study these 19 individual cases, and you know, we taught a whole series on it years ago, We went through each one. I would encourage you to get on there and and really get into this. If you really look at this, the Holy Spirit saw fit. God, you could say, saw fit in his word to show us 19 cases, which I believe cover everything. Now, I mean, we know... The Bible says that if everything was recorded that Jesus did, the books of the world, they said, would not hold it all, right? But these 19, you can say this, you could look at these 19 individual cases and you can see the will of God for all men for all time, right? You can see that. If you want to know God's will on healing, just look at the Gospels. And then if you look at the Epistles, And you look all throughout the Old Testament, it backs all of it up. But there's not one instance where Jesus ever had somebody come to him in faith to be healed that they didn't get healed. Not one. There was not one instance that Jesus ever looked at an individual and said, it's not my will to heal you. He never, there's not one example And yet we preach that nonsense from right i mean it's just wow that's how come when i watch season three episode two of the chosen and wow this is going live stream do i care i hope dallas hears this i think the guy loves god with all of his heart but i could tell you this jesus never looked at one of his disciples or any person while he was on the earth and said listen what i'm about to tell you is going to define the rest of your life and ministry I could heal you, the Father could heal you, but it's just not our will. That's demonic. Now, could a Christian literally promote something that's demonic? Absolutely. Has Satan ever got your tongue? Right? Absolutely. But man, we gotta stand up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, does that mean don't watch The Chosen? Oh man, there's a lot of nice stuff. Now, you'll have to have a little stick box there because there are some sticks. You know, there's a lot of things sprinkled to make you think Jesus was poor, which biblically is impossible because he kept the whole law, right? But anyway, 17 of the 19, faith was the catalyst that triggered the healing. How much more for us who have been redeemed Because all this stuff was done in the Old Testament. Jesus' ministry, I mean, he was dealing with people had a right to be healed because they were children of Abraham. We are children of God. And we've been redeemed. How much more? You don't need anybody to lay hands on you for healing. You could believe you receive right now. Pastor, come on, don't say that stuff. We need to need you. No, you don't need me. You don't need anybody. I can't heal anybody. But I'm telling you, when I've laid hands on people, remarkable things have happened, but it wasn't me. Right? I, I lay hands on them, and God, the healer, heals them. Well, I thought you said it comes from the inside out. Yeah, it does. That healing anointing, which is on me right now, it's on me every service. It comes from the inside of me. I lay hands on an individual. The healing power of God goes into their body. Guess what also is happening? It's coming out of their spirit into their body too. It's a powerful thing. John chapter 3 and verse 34. Guys, as we go through this, the Lord told me, there's going to be such revelation flowing. You're going to hear things you've heard before and they're just you're going to go, oh, that's so simple. That's so easy, right? John 3 34. For he whom God hath sent speaks the words of God, for God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, Jesus was a one man healing revival. Right Now, he had authority to give that authority to his 12 disciples and also to 70, and he sent them out, and they were able to do the works of Jesus even in the Old Testament. Think about that. So much authority that Jesus had, he could delegate that, right? There had to be a legal way. God does everything legal. John 14, verse 10, says it this way. It says, believe you not, that I am in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. So when it said power was going out of him and healed everybody, when, when he spit and made clay out of mud and rubbed it on a blind man's eyes and they got healed, guess what? Jesus wasn't The healer, the father was doing that. In the same way, you and I are not the healer, but the healer, right? Jesus, by the Spirit of God, he's the one that performs it. Same way, Jesus said this as the father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Jesus operated on this earth not as God, he laid down all of his godly attributes. We know that because he was baptized in the River Jordan and it says the Holy Spirit in all of its fullness came down upon him. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus as God would never need to be anointed. He lived as a man anointed by God to show us how we could operate and also to redeem us. He had to be a legal sacrifice. Okay, so, so we learn these things. Jesus was his own healing revival. Now we do greater works because he went to the Father. So now all of us are in the earth, all over the earth, and we could lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And we could preach his word and see this happening all over the world. See, you had to go to where Jesus was to get healed. It's much better now. You could could be anywhere and be healed now, right? The Holy Spirit was moving this way in the earthly ministry of Jesus. That's how he was moving. The Holy Spirit moved this way in the healing revival that we have a record of that started very quickly, just instantly in the 1940s, and it went into the 1950s And as quick as it started, it seemed to end. It's real interesting. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God is moving a certain way. And and man, it was so easy, I've heard, to get people healed. I wasn't on the planet yet. I don't know. But man, the the things I've heard about this are just amazing. Brother Hagin, see, see, a lot of guys, they would have these tents. Oral Roberts had this tent that would hold thousands of people. And the healings that took place, Brother Copeland said it was amazing. He'd go in a back room in a back tent with the serious things, and he saw how Oral would minister the healing power of God to people. Brother Hagin, God told him, I want you to go teach my people faith. He went a different direction. He went into local churches, and he would never go anywhere for less than three weeks. Could you imagine coming here three to six weeks Every morning we're teaching on healing, every night we're ministering to the sick. For week after week after week, people would come from far away, they'd bring people, they'd sit under the word, and they would learn how to receive their healing through faith. Interesting. See, what you don't see is people standing for their healing for these long, extended periods of time. Now, it's amazing, though. We, see, you can't look at time. You've got to look at the word. Smith Wigglesworth, this guy had over 20, over 20, I think 20-some documented cases where people were raised from the dead in his ministry. I mean, he went to a visitation. And, and, and I mean, he's, he's literally, he's a big man. Now, you know, he lived in England, he was a plumber before he got saved. Pretty, pretty intense, rough individual, right? Could you imagine some guy, 6'5", 6'6", walking in and walking up to a body and grabbing it and commanding the life of God, pulling it, and the thing falls in the floor. He's grabbing it, picking it up, slamming it. John G. Lake, they bring him a baby that has no ears, nose, and mouth. They have, they have to have a feeding tube that they make for this baby to be alive. What does John G. Lake do? Have you ever seen somebody punt a football? He literally went like this. Boom. Why did he do that? Because God told him to. That freaks me out even saying that. People just literally dove on, on Lake. What? You kill her. I mean, and then all of a sudden, the, the baby, I think, hit the back wall and bounced on the floor... And everybody's on John, and then all of a sudden, they hear the baby crying. And the baby has ears, and eyes, and a nose, and a mouth, and, I mean, miracles. Well, God has never changed. Brother Hagen had an older lady with a big tumor in her stomach, where her stomach is sticking out really far. He's laying hands, be healed in Jesus' name, be healed in Jesus' name. And then he just puts his fist and goes, Bam! Ladies like blah. Right? Could you imagine? That's crazy. And she got up healed. Amen. Got up with a flat stomach. Thing just disappeared. Right? I mean, this is this is interesting. But what I want you to see is the method, the time, forget all that. What I really want you to see is healing has been provided for you. See, step number one in your healing school is God wants you to learn how to lay hold of your healing. Right? And if it's if it if that time is going super extended, you gotta go to the Lord. I know for me, one thing that have extended things for me is I just I, I, I get so focused on other people that I just don't stand for myself. And the Lord has dealt with me very seriously about that, right? Because here's the thing, you can't give what you don't have. You can't take anybody someplace you haven't been, right? It still took the faith of the individual to receive their healing. I want you to see that. So let's talk about healing today. People receive their healing through faith, which comes by hearing God's word. See, this is the the problem of why we're not seeing things in the body of Christ, is God is a peripheral in our life, not the center. People think crazy things like, you know, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to be in the word. Well, no, time out. Wait, I thought you told me Jesus is your Lord. If Jesus is your Lord, you'll know it because you'll put his word first, you'll give it your undivided attention, you'll always have it before your eyes, you'll never let it depart out of your mouth, and you'll keep it in the midst of your heart. Now, have you ever messed that up? Yeah. And guess what? The Holy Spirit's here to help you. Right? But I'm I'm telling you, To believe god for your healing you have to get in faith and stay in faith which means you're going to have to continually have revelation knowledge of his word which means it's got to be the center when you read the bible you got to have a willingness right i got to have a willingness to do what it says there's heart attitudes here that mess people up right some people want to be healed so that they could go and continue in the sin you know Healing's still theirs so they are just going to have a hard time laying hold of it actually if your heart attitude is man god i just want you to heal my knee because i really you know i really want to play tennis or i really want to play basketball you know and that's the that's the reason that that might not be strong enough for you to lay hold of your healing because why are you here to seek first the kingdom to walk out God's plan for your life. Father, I'm calling for my healing because I need to be strong and healthy to walk out your plan for my life to yield all of my fruit in my season and to do everything you've called me to do. And don't worry about having fun. God loves you to have fun. And as you follow him, you'll really have fun. A believer can't really have fun if God's not first because they'll have inner turmoil right? So people, now they receive their healing through their own faith. People receive their healing as they gained understanding of what the Word of God says about healing or as they heard the Word. This is why in Jesus' earthly ministry, they came to hear and be healed, okay? A lot of people today in our circles, they're coming to be healed And they're testing god out but i'm not reading my bible right i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not going to be what do you mean confess scripture every day i'm not doing that stuff and 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 what's happening there's too many blind spots in their life there's people in our environment of the church that are walking around with all these blind spots thinking they're all man i'm hitting on all cylinders spiritually and you're going have you listened to yourself talk there's no word right? We turn to Mark chapter 11, and you know, some people, they open their Bible, and they're like, okay, where's Mark? Right? And then, or you hear this, shh, like it's never been open before, right? Let me find a passage of scripture without writing. Well, that's not going to be easy to do, but anyway, they look, they, they look, and, 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 and they're like, you know, right? What three scriptures are you believing God for? Well, you know, he's my healer. Okay, that's great. I didn't hear a scripture. But this is where people are that you're going to minister to. See, it's not understanding some principles of healing. It is walking with the healer. He's on the inside of you. Oh, how it thrills your heart when you see something in your life, when you see him move. So go to 3 John. 3 John. We're going to look at verse 2. If you have more than one chapter in 3 John, you have the expanded edition, right? 3 John verse 2, I really like this scripture, you probably would never know that, right? Some of you have seen this vehicle blow by you on Dodge, and they had that, it's, there must be somebody else that has that, no, I'm just teasing, I'm working on that, wow, Pastor Edwin and I and, and Troy, we were going to breakfast. Uh, pastor Edwin and I, we, we get out of the car and uh, there's a person, man, we park right next to this brand new, beautiful Corvette. And this couple was getting into it and I'm like, wow. You know, I told them, I said, that's a beautiful car. I go, if I had that car, my license plate would be R E V 311. And they're looking at me like, what's that? I go, I go, I'm a pastor. That's just a scripture in Revelation in the Bible. It says, behold, I come quickly. <laughs> They thought that was really cool, you know. I'm not so sure officers would enjoy that, right? And of course, oh, okay, our our officer will. He drives like this really cool Mustang GT, so you know. That's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, I need to get back. I just, I I saw myself in his car just flying, right? You know, or Mark Mason's new electric car, zero to 60 in like three seconds or something crazy, right? Not that he would ever do that, but just kind of watch for a white, you know, yeah. Verse two, it says, beloved, I wish. John was not wishing. It's the Greek word. He goes, beloved, I pray above all things, Now check this out. This is John who started walking with Jesus at probably anywhere from 13 to 16 years old. Now he's in his 80s, upper 80s, and he's writing this. And he's saying, above all things I pray that you would prosper financially and be in health, but it's gonna be even as your soul prospers. In other words, you're not gonna walk in financial prosperity or health beyond what your soul is prospering, okay? That you may prosper. This Greek word prosper means to grant a prosperous journey. In other words, when God prospers you, as you are going down your life on the journey, the whole journey's prosperous, okay? It literally means to lead by a direct and easy way. Gaining prosperity without believing God is not easy. There's toil associated with it. We're talking about when God prospers you, the blessings are overtaking you as a result of what you're sowing and what you're doing. It's easy. No toil. It's only rest. Prosper and be in health. This Greek word is not talking about spiritual health. You are as spiritually healthy as you'll ever be. Your spirit is complete. They talk about spiritual healing. What in the world is that? My old spirit wasn't healed. It was taken out. And a brand new one was put in. This word word health literally means to have sound health, to be well in your body, to be in good health. That's God's will. But it's going to be directly proportioned to as your soul prospers. So you have to be going on a prosperous journey in your soul, right? Which means your soul is being renewed by the word of God. Verse three, for I rejoiced greatly when when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Well, what's truth? John 17, 17, what did he say? Sanctify them by thy truth for your word is truth. So John, you could very easily translate this, for I greatly rejo- for I rejoice greatly when the brethren in- came to me and testified of the word that is in you, even as you walk in the truth or as you walk in the word. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the word. We walk under the light and in the light of God's word all the time. So now let's, I want to take some time and look. Uh, I wish they'd slow that clock down a little bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. But I want to I look at a story in the Bible, one of these 19 individual cases. A man came to Jesus And and his lunatic son was healed. Okay? So this is found in Matthew, okay, chapter 17, if you're taking notes, verses 14 to 21. This same story is found in Mark, chapter 9, verses 17 through 27, and... This story is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 37 to 42. It's found in three of the four gospels. I wonder if we could learn some things. The Holy Spirit saw fit three times. So, having said all that, turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 9. <laughs> I'm an honorary pastor. Mark chapter 9, I want you to see the background, so look at this. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them, okay? And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, Jesus, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him, and he, Jesus, asked the scribes, what are you questioning my disciples about? So now, let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 37. I wanted you to see what's happening. Okay? Where, in in Mark chapter 9, what, what was happening? Jesus was just transfigured. The Mount of Transfiguration, right? So he was transfigured up there. Moses, right? Moses and Elijah were there. I believe Jesus was once again doing what they always, what God always does. He, he, he's telling Moses and he's telling Elijah, prophets, Old Testament prophets. He's saying, guys, I'm here. I'm on the earth. I'm about to come and redeem. Go down to paradise and tell them I'm coming. I'm all, I'll be there in just a little bit. Now, that's my opinion. It completely fits with, with the Bible, but take that for what you want. But anyway... Peter, James, and John, they see him transfigured, who he is on the inside, shown out of him. His garment was brighter than the sun because they're not born again yet. So they're like, oh, wow, we gotta build temples for all three of you. And, And then so the father had to step in and say, whoa, 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 this is my beloved son, listen to him, right? So they come down from this incredible event and when they're walking down, Jesus sees these other disciples that he empowered to go about healing people and delivering people from the devil, right? The other nine, he he sees them, and people are around him, and there's scribes questioning him, so he walks up. That's what that's what's happening right here. So Luke 9:37, it tells us that the day before Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. Okay? You gotta understand this to understand this story. Jesus speaks to Moses and Elijah. Now they're coming down from the mountain where Jesus was transfigured and a great multitude met them. Have you noticed I'm saying this again? Because you've got to understand this to understand this story, okay? The scribes were questioning the nine disciples as to why they could not heal or deliver this man's son. They're asking them. they're like, "Why, why why can't you do this? I bet they were having a good time asking those questions because they are always trying to find Jesus in a, right? So now let's jump over to Mark chapter 9 here. Go to 9 again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to look at verse 17. Mark 9, verse 17. It says here, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Okay, now all these demonic spirits are dumb. We know that. But this one kept somebody from talking, okay? And wheresoever or where he takes him, he, talking about this demonic spirit, tears him, and then my son foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Does the word of God say in this verse that they could not? Okay, so let's look at this Matthew's account, chapter 17, verse 14. We're going to read through verse 16. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and he's sore vexed. He's vexed of a demonic spirit, right? And often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Now, if you look at Luke's account in Luke chapter 9, in verse 38, you don't have to turn there. I, as we're going through this, I just look up on the screen, but just write this in your notes. You can read this account later. In Luke chapter 9, verse 38, it tells us that this was this man's only son. Okay? So you're getting a picture, right? He's begging Jesus, he's falling down, Jesus, have mercy on my son, deliver him. My only son, he's vexed with a demon. Throws him in the fire, tries to drown him. He he gnashes his teeth, he foams at the mouth, all of these things. All three accounts tell us that the man said that they could not cure him or cast the devil out. All three accounts said that. So now, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Now we're going to back up to the point where Jesus called them out. This is before this account. Then Jesus called his twelve disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. So this statement where this man saying they couldn't cure him, right? We got to look at that because We have have Jesus giving them power over all devils and to cure diseases before they sent them out. Matthew chapter 10 in verse 1 says this, And when he had called unto his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. Did they have the power to cast this demon out of this boy? Yes. Yes. But for some reason, they couldn't. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. It is true that they did not cast out the unclean spirit or heal this boy. It is true that the man said that they couldn't heal or deliver his boy. It is not true that they couldn't heal or deliver this boy because they had been given power. To do it. The disciples' failure to get the boy healed and set free, in other words, did not prove the will of God. But what did, what did multitudes do? Well, you know, I asked God to heal me and he didn't. Or, you know, my grandmother, who loved God with all her heart, went home early, so therefore God's not a healer all the time. But you could say the same thing here right? I mean, here these guys were able to do this stuff, and then, but with this son, they couldn't. Here's the thing. To the Lord Jesus, you got to understand this. There is no excuse for unbelief. He is God. He is setting before humanity his word. When people just say, well, I just don't believe that, there's no excuse for that. Because if you could honestly look at everything in this world and and the stars and everything, and the further we get in humanity, the more technology we get, the more it proclaims that God, there's a creator. It doesn't take faith to believe that some piece of gel ooze climbed on a crystal... That just takes utter blindness and stupidity, right? But to believe that God, I mean, God even says in in Romans chapter one, man is without excuse. Everything declares who, an understanding of even the Trinity, there's no excuse not to believe this. In the realm of healing, guys, there is zero excuse because there's no gray area here. There's no examples that are saying what we're preaching many times from a pulpit right? He has never failed us. He has never forsaken us. Unbelief will choke you off from the blessing of God. It's impossible to be in unbelief and lay hold of what he's already given you. Matthew 19, 26. I love this verse. It says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. The things, Jesus said this, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Right? Matthew 17, 20 says this, and Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall obey, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So now, let's look back at Mark. Mark chapter 9, verse 19. Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Wow, Jesus why are you speaking that way to this poor dad? Jesus wasn't speaking to the dad. Jesus was speaking to nine of his disciples who he gave authority and power to. And he's like, man, could you imagine? What a, what a motivational speech for your staff. Oh, faithless. Could you imagine the nine that are going... I can't disagree, this is, this is not good, right? Jesus didn't seem, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of amazing, isn't it? The disciples failed, why? Because of their unbelief. If you study the story, we know why. Because they were more concerned about, well, who do you think is going to be greatest in the kingdom? Pride, man. That'll get you nowhere with God. Personal ambition and strife was the reason for their unbelief. Personal ambition and strife will hinder your faith no matter how much authority you have. You could have, all, and how much authority do we have? We have all of it. But you could have all authority and die of sickness and disease. So you gotta stay away from, you gotta stay away from this pride stuff, right? Jesus knows that it takes faith, why? To activate the power of God so that a person can receive their healing. Unbelief hindered Jesus from ministering the healing power of God. In his ministry, it was the people's unbelief. It hindered him. Even after coming out of the glory, look at this, he comes out of the glory of God. He is transfigured on the mountain, but even after coming out of the glory, Jesus still put the responsibility on the individual's faith. Isn't that amazing? And this dad was not born again. He didn't have a Bible that he carried around. He didn't have 900,000 hours of teaching on healing. And all these wonderful books. All he had was he had heard of Jesus. Wow. Faith in God. Why am I saying that? Christian, faith in God will bring you out every time you got to believe it. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. So now Mark chapter 9, verse 22. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, so and they brought him, the son, unto him, Jesus. And when he, Jesus, saw the son, straightway the spirit tore him. And he fell on the ground. He, the son, fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Now think about that. The minute they bring the son to Jesus, he has this episode. And Jesus, the next verse, and Jesus went, oh my goodness. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Look at at what Jesus did. Jesus asked the father, so how long it is ago since this came to him? I mean, the kids just... (sighs) Jesus is like, hey, Dad, how, so how long has this been happening? He, he's not moved by it. He's not even acknowledging it. Why would he? He didn't turn to this and say, stop that. What's your name? Who cares what your name is? You're a demon. I'm the son of God. My father is in me to heal. He has anointed me and sent me to heal. All that are oppressed of the devil. The devil's nothing. In your physical body, in your healing, the devil is nothing compared to who God is. And he said, the father said to Jesus of a child, and oftentimes it's cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, look at this, the father's like passing the buck. Jesus, if you can do anything, look at this, have compassion. That word means mercy. Have mercy on us and help us. So the moment the boy's father speaks of the difficulty of the circumstance, he falls into a state of discouragement, which causes him to cry out to Jesus to have mercy. In the same way, if you talk about the difficulty of your circumstance, you are going to fall into discouragement. Okay, you got to know this. And you'll be calling out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And, then, and if you live in that too long, you'll start to go, well, you know, why? I mean, I know people in my church that they just have healthy bodies and they're not even living like I am. Why, God? Why are you allowing this? Why are... And none of that, all that leads you down a wrong path. God's like, no, no, I provided healing for you. Just believe me and receive it. Right? Do your part so that I can step in and perform this and heal your body. The Father put all the responsibility on Jesus right in this verse, verse, the Father's not in faith. If you don't have faith in God's word, guess what? That means you don't have faith in God. So then Jesus now in verse 23 of Mark chapter 9 says this. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe. So in other words, Jesus puts it right back on the Father. Jesus, if you can do anything, have mercy on my son and help us. Jesus responds, if you can believe. Father, all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus put the responsibility of believing back on the boy's father. How much more is the responsibility of believing going to be on us as his kids, right? It's not about, this is not about God's compassion. We've already seen God's compassion. He took every sickness, every disease, all the pain, all the satanic root of the curse of the law, and he put it on his son. We have no idea what that did. And it said the father, it pleased the father to bruise his son so that men can walk free from this. It's not about God's compassion, it's about the necessity of faith being exercised so that the healing power of God can go to work. Boy, if you can get that, that makes people mad. But if you can get that, it'll make you free. I mean, you'll walk in freedom. You cannot leave up to God what he has left up to you and I. You cannot make his responsibility what he has made our responsibility. You see that? Your faith, praise God, is the determining factor for your healing. Your faith is the determining factor for you to walk in all the blessings of God. We do not receive from God according to what we need, according to what we want, according to what is right, according to what is fair, according to what is God's will. You don't receive from God that way. You receive from God through faith. Verse 24. Now look at what happened. We're not going to be able to go through every case, but look at what happened. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The man is saying to Jesus, Listen, Jesus, I'm choosing to believe. This gave Jesus, who had the Spirit without measure, an opening for his healing power to work. I'm just choosing to believe, but help me. Guess what? You have the ultimate helper. On the inside of you, He will lead you into all this. He'll take you by the hand. i ch- God. I am choosing to believe Your Word today. Now I've never, I've never done this. Help me, right? Matthew seventeen twenty says this, and Jesus said unto them, "Because of your unbelief, for verily I say to you, if you have grain as a faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain." Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Your faith. And here's a big thing, guys. What you believe will come out of your mouth. So when you speak junk, that's what you believe. Okay? So change that. Don't beat yourself up. Right? Not not what you're trying to believe will come out of your mouth, what you actually believe. This man was not fully persuaded yet. This was not some high degree of faith. Faith will work in your heart with some doubt in your head, but you got to take those thoughts captive. We must get people to respond from their heart. And God wants to teach you how to do that. We... See, what this man is facing, don't look at this story and think it's okay for you as a believer to say this. A believer should never say this, right? A believer should go, I'm choosing to believe your word. I've heard your word, faith has come. Now, Holy Spirit, help me me lay hold of this. Help me walk this out, right? This man was not even born again. So look at verse 25 of Mark chapter 9. So after this interaction, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, so the the demon's freaking out, Jesus is talking to this guy, and then all of a sudden he sees all these people running. So he's like, oh boy, here comes the wave of unbelief, right? He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him, the spirit cried, rent him sore, came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus ministered to this boy before the crowd with any unbelief could gather around the father because the, fa- he had to, the father had to stay in faith. Your faith is the determining factor on your healing and faith only comes one way doesn't come by not taking medicine doesn't come by not going to a doctor that's called denial that could cause you to go home early it doesn't come by not having a surgical procedure have the surgical procedure take the medicine do whatever right but fill your heart with the word of god Look at that pill or that shot and as you take it, Father, I thank you and I declare that your word says I'm healed. And I'm taking this and I thank you that whatever will help me in this pill right now will help me and anything toxic that would hurt my body can just, will just go through me supernaturally, won't hurt me. Right? This is, we, we do everything in faith. But we got to build ourselves up because God's best, no medicine, no surgical procedures, walking in health, that's God's best. Yeah, but pastor, why would God lead somebody to have surgery? Because he knows where you are. If some people don't have a surgical procedure, they're not going to get in faith to the point, right? They could die before they build themselves up, Right? And if you go into the hospital for a surgical procedure, this is what you do. When Brother Hagin, one of the times Jesus appeared to him, Jesus told him specifically, you tell my children that when they go into a hospital, when they go to a doctor, that they go in, when they're going to have surgery, they go in and I'll be there with them and I'll protect them from all infection and I'll guide that surgeon's hands and I'll be, my presence will be there. I'll cause those medical professionals to operate according to my ability. And then when that person comes out of surgery successfully, now you tell them to believe me for a full and quick, full recovery. See, there's nothing but good news with God. Well, I hope this has helped you. We're going to get into some more specifics. But realize if you leave here with nothing else, listen, your faith, is the determining factor in everything in your life so feel free to just partake of everything because god is saying i've given all of this to you amen